Hey, what's up, guys? This is your girl Coco, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Kiki and with Coco. If you are new to the show, let me tell you a little bit about it. It's about life in general with an emphasis on relationships. I have my friends, guests, family come on the show, and we kiki about whatever the topic for today is. And so today's guest is one of my friends husbands and he is a therapist a licensed therapist so we're going to go ahead and introduce it this introduce him this is Corey Marshall Corey you want to go ahead and say what's up and just tell people a little bit about what you do okay well hey everybody uh like like Coco said (laughs) Uh, my name is Corey Marshall I'm licensed to the state of Georgia licensed therapist slash social worker um I work with adolescents and young adults. Uh, a lot of the people I work with come with trauma, substance use history, uh, anxiety, depression, mood disorders, all kinds of things. Um, very much a job I love. Uh, love helping people through their hard times. And uh, yeah, uh, that's simple enough. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you for being on the show. And so we're going to go ahead and get into the drink with Coco. And Corey recommended this drink. Um, it does not have a name, but I'm leaning towards Jamaican things. I'm okay with that. Yeah. So <laughs> the drink is just Bacardi Dragonberry, and you can also use Bacardi uh, Mango. And then what else did you say you used today? So I'm using Ray and Nephew Overproof, Overproof Rum. Okay. So a- another rum? Yeah, just a Jamaican rum. Okay. And... Okay. Mix it with a little bit of Ting Sparkling Grapefruit Soda, which is a Jamaican soda. And it also comes in pink grapefruit, right? Yes. But I use just the regular sparkling grapefruit. That was all Kroger had. But <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. That's my preference anyway. But it is still tasty. Mm-hmm. I like it. And just so you see what the bottle looks like, if you want to go look for it. This is what it looks like. Yes. So go ahead, try it out. And when you do, go ahead and hashtag drink with cocoa on your post or story, just so I can know that y'all are out there trying out these drinks. And now that we got our drink going, we're going to go ahead and get into the word on the street. So with COVID, kind of like, I'm not going to say it's not a thing because it is still a thing. Um, But a lot of people are not wearing masks since they said if you've been um, fully vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask. But if you haven't been vaccinated, you should wear a mask. But my thoughts behind that whole, whole situation is that Even though I have been fully vaccinated, I feel like it is my responsibility to still wear a mask because I don't want to perpetuate the narrative that it's okay to not wear a mask. Because, you know, if people saying, well, you can't ask me if I've been vaccinated or not, you know, people just not going to do it. So my thing is, if I wear a mask, I can at least say I'm doing my part and what you do is what you do. But I know in Georgia, I go a lot of places now, and I don't hardly ever see anybody wearing masks. <laughs> it's, it's crazy how that is. Um, I know we just recently became 
uh, a blue state, but we still got a lot of uh, people who are very conservative and thinking that this is infringing upon my rights by making me do this, so to speak. And it's like, that's not what this is. It's about being responsible. This is your civic duty to kind of be on the lookout for everybody else. Right. Um, but there's, there's a lot of people who are like, no, it's me and I choose me and I want to do things for me. And it's kind of like, well, I mean, you can do what you want, but that doesn't mean that you're free of consequences, right? You may contract COVID and pass it along without feeling any kind of symptoms or whatever the case may be. And then somebody else has got to deal with that. Yes. Uh, I know. Yeah. There's a lot of people. There's a few people in my family that caught it. Mm -hmm. uh, one, one person who's no longer with us. Uh, because of it and I mean, I'm not I'm not messing around with that <laughs> I got family I'm trying to keep around for as long as possible exactly and so the reason we bring up COVID and the whole wearing of mask situation is because LA County this weekend actually mandated that people wear masks indoors because the COVID cases have been rising and they have found that the majority of cases that are being affected by this Delta strain are people who have not been vaccinated. Right. And I feel that because people who aren't vaccinated are at risk, and not to say that people who have been vaccinated aren't at risk, because we still are. Maybe the vaccine doesn't necessarily... Um, go against this new strain that we have. You know what I'm saying? So we're still susceptible to getting COVID just like someone who isn't. They're just more susceptible. But I think everybody should not only want to keep themselves safe, but keep others safe. Like for me, like I go to work and I come home and nobody's at my house but me, you know, so I'm not affecting anybody in my home. But I definitely don't want to go somewhere. And because I've been vaccinated, like maybe I carry, maybe I'm a carrier and can pass it to somebody. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, I don't want to put anybody else in harm's way. So let me do my part and wear a mask. Right. And it's, and it really is that easy, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I'm vaccinated as well. And mm -hmm. I think for some people, when they, when they've been hearing about the vaccine, they been kind of seeing it as it's like supposed to be a cure but it's it's not it's a vaccine it's supposed to prevent the likelihood of you catching it or at the very least make it uh not as serious for you if you do catch it right and on the same side of things the mask isn't supposed to just make everything better and prevent you 100 percent from getting it but the idea is one reduce the likelihood even if it's slightly for you to catch it mm -hmm. while also prevent you from passing it to somebody else even if you don't think you have it right and you know, it's your choice. If you don't want the vaccine because of whatever reason, that's fine. By the end of the day, just put on a mask. It's not gonna kill you. It's it's not this horrible thing. It's just, I mean, come on, five minutes. I mean, I know the black community in itself, you know, I don't think a lot of black people are too into vaccines and things that the government push. And we, we all know why that is. You know, if you black, you know. But, um, you know, there have been times in throughout history where Black people have been used as, you know, um, test dummies for certain things. And, you know, so a lot of the Black community does not trust the government when it comes to public health concerns. But 
seeing that we have lost so many people. And I'm, I feel like when COVID first started, there were a lot of people saying, what's well, people who die from the flu every year? True. But they got a flu shot, right? <laughs> and everybody just about get a flu shot. So it's just, it's the same thing, you know, it's to help prevent you. And even if it doesn't prevent you from getting it, it helps keep whatever effects of it from being as severe. And like you said before, you've had family or people that you have known who've contracted COVID-19 and it was only one person for you. And it's only been one person for me, but I don't think a lot of people feel like COVID is real because it hasn't affected them or anyone that they know. Right. And I think the bigger problem is that they need it to happen to them or somebody around them for them to care about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of the bigger issue. And that's not something that's inherently human, as I've heard some people say. It's just it's just choosing to have a sense of empathy. Mm-hmm. Right? You, yeah. you, it's not something that you just happens to. You either choose to be empathetic or you're not. At the end of the day, if you want to do your part, the easiest thing you could do is put on a mask. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> I don't feel like wearing a mask is, is going to hurt you. It... If anything, I look at it like self-preservation. Yes. I want to make sure I live. <laughs> now, what you do is what you do, but I want to make sure I live. You know, if you want to think of it as a me type situation, right. self-preservation, people. <laughs> and at the same time, too, though, think about all these people that are either dead or some people who have people around them because they were in that mindset of, no, that's unfair to me. Right. I think of myself, I got a wife and kid at home. And how would I feel if I if if it was I me passing on COVID to one of them and losing one of them because I didn't feel like putting on a mask? Mm-hmm. Like that's not something I could live with. So at the very least, <laughs> I'm gonna try to protect me and mine. Yeah. By trying to be responsible. At the very least, well, that and I want to be an example for other people as well. Right. Exactly. To be honest, I don't want to wear a mask. Like it's uncomfortable. There. But it's a minor, it's a minor inconvenience. Yeah. At best, it's a, or at worst, it's a minor inconvenience. Yeah. Like I know it's people I work with who have not been vaccinated. And so I feel like it's my responsibility to come to work and be the example and wear a mask yeah. in the office, even, even if we're not standing close to each other, whatever the case may be, like you walk into my space, I'm gonna pull my mask up because I just want you to know I take this seriously. Right. You know, I cannot say, hey, I mean, I tell people all the time, put your mask on. Or if they be like, or I hate when people mask be sitting right up under their nose and it's just like, <laughs> you defeating the purpose. Right. You're not paying attention at all. You, you're not paying attention. I be like, pull your mask up. The purpose of the mask is to cover your nose. <laughs> like, come on. So, yeah, I feel like it's my responsibility to cultivate that culture within my workspace. Um, and I I mean, it, and I feel like there are people who was waiting on them to say, once you fully vaccinated, you don't got to wear it. Or for people to be like, well, I'm vaccinated, so I don't have to wear it. Yes. You know, or when it first happened, I remember asking some of my people, like, you vaccinated? And they like, you can't ask me that. That's HIPAA. I don't give a damn. <laughs> you vaccinated put your mask on 
Yeah, there's I've, I've run into a lot of people in that same mindset. I'm vaccinated, so I'm good now. Everything's good. Nothing's going to happen to me. And it's like, well, that's not quite true. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's still a slight chance, you know, especially when you have so many people around you that are still not vaccinated. And I think that for me, that was the deciding factor. So many people around me who were just like, nah, I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, well, if they're going to be like that, I'll at least take care of myself. Yeah. And this this conversation right now is not to say y'all need to get vaccinated. You better get vaccinated. This is just saying, do this one simple thing. Put a mask on. That's it. That's it. (laughs) Nothing more, nothing less. Right. When you're meeting with people, especially a decent amount of people around you, just put a mask on until you're done. That's it. Yeah. You in your home by yourself or with close loved ones that you know are also vaccinated, a small amount of them. All right. Do you. But come on now. Let's, the reason why we're still dealing with a lot of this stuff is because people are being stubborn. Mm-hmm. Right? If we if were masked up and potentially got a vaccine earlier, right, we probably would have been somewhat out of the woods by now. Yeah. And now we're, we're still kind of scrambling around. And people, I think towards the beginning of the year, people were like, oh, yeah, we're good now. We got a vaccine. All you got to do is get shot up and it's fine. Now we got the Delta variant. And people are like, is this ever going to be over? And it's like, well. You got to talk to your people who are just Could like, be if people just put <laughs> on. Right. That's yeah. it. I, I will say I can appreciate the sense of normalcy that has returned, but in the same token, just feeling like my safety, my health is more important than being able to walk around without a mask in public, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So simple. I am an advocate of wearing masks. So let's do our part, people. Don't be a part of the problem. You know, it's something simple. If you by yourself, like, okay, why would I put a mask on sitting by myself? But if somebody comes into your space that you don't normally sit around or you this is not the person you sit at home with, then definitely put your mask on. Right. Yeah. Think about other people. Yes. <laughs> That's what this is ultimately about. Think about the other people. Right. And so now that we have talked about the whole mandate or the the need to tell people wear a mask, even though you've been vaccinated or whatever, you know, move into a little bit of pop culture with Britney Spears. Um, I will say I have not really listened to Britney Spears in a very, very long time, but if you don't know, she has been under a conservatorship since 2008, and basically her family is con- is in control of her business affairs and her personal affairs. And as of recently, she has decided to speak out and ask for separate legal representation so that she can possibly get the conservatorship removed because she's she feels like she's being emotionally abused and taken taken um taken yeah taken advantage of by her father who is the person who's in control of the conservatorship 
And the reason she was this conservatorship even came about was because she I think we all know Britney Spears was having like some some mental breakdowns and and things like that in the early 2000s. And so they felt it was necessary at that time to do so. But since then, they have not let the reins up and allowed this woman to just be. Um, And some of the things that I've seen that they've not allowed her to do is make decisions about her own body, like if she wanted to have more children. Um, She's not allowed to post on social media without somebody basically giving the okay for her to post something prior to. And we we all on social media for the most part. And it's just like, how would you feel if somebody was censoring what you were posting on your social media? And looking at looking at it from that aspect and the aspect of not being able to make decisions about my own personal life, I, I feel like that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's if we're looking at it on that level, it seems pretty ridiculous, right? You or I being told by somebody else that we can't decide to live our lives the way we want to without their approval. Mm-hmm. Um, it does it does seem pretty ridiculous, but at the same time, Britney Spears' situation is a little different in mm-hmm. that in order for a judge to make the decision that somebody else has to be the deciding factor for those personal affairs or the financial affairs, there has to be something significant going on. Yeah. Something significant in the terms of living with mental illness to the point where if things go poorly, they can uh, make irrational decisions or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. And I don't think, in my opinion, I don't think enough people take that into account is that in order for that to be put in place, there has to be something significant to happen. At the same time, you know, there have been, you know, she's been performing, uh, supposedly people have felt as though she can manage a lot of her day-to-day life on her own, even though, um, even though the conservatorship is in place. Uh, I think one of her past attorneys had said that she's high functioning. And even in mentioning someone as being high functioning, that doesn't negate the fact that they're also still living in a certain situation that could, could, I'm not saying she requires this, but could require somebody to make those definitive decisions. Um, but I think it's good for her. I mean, she's, she's kind of taking ownership now, uh, especially given the opportunity to fight against it. Uh, but I do also wonder what we don't know. Yeah. And so my thing is, I feel like initially it was probably needed for her to have this. But what has transpired between then and now? Because she's gone on tours. She's had a residency in Vegas. And like she's been performing and working and everything during this time frame. And it's just like you said, what don't we know that is driving this decision to continue forth or has drove this decision to continue on for so long? Because I definitely think like if you have some mental issues that make you unable to handle your day-to-day responsibilities or make rational decisions and with the type of lifestyle, the type of money that she has, I think it's important that somebody protect her in that way. But, and even if it's found, because she has been able to 
have her own the I think just last week the judge authorized her to find legal representation outside of the legal people that she had prior to but um even if it's found that she does still need to be under this conservatorship who else could she trust to handle this and treat her fairly and that's the big thing Right. Mm-hmm. you know I'm not saying I'm tracking this every day but I haven't seen enough of <laughs> of the people <laughs> around her kind of rallying for her yeah I think I've heard she's got issues with her mom I've heard her and her sister got some kind of issue obviously mm-hmm. her and her dad are not in a good place uh she's dating somebody I think yeah she is yeah. dating someone mm-hmm. I think I had heard that she was looking for him to be that person uh I don't know who that person is. Or... I don't think that's a good idea at all. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to judge people's situations, but mm-hmm. at the same time, having worked with people who have had to have something similar, like a guardianship or a conservatorship, mm-hmm. at times it can appear as though everything is good, especially if they're taking their medications, especially if they're doing a certain routine. I've seen some of them even have jobs and everything go well, but I've also seen if, they go off that medication for whatever reason, things can get really bad really fast. I'm not, again, I'm not saying that's what's going on with Brittany, um, but whoever is going to be that person in place is going to need to be somebody that's trustworthy. And right. things that I'm hearing is that dad's like exploiting her money to, to keep her quote unquote oppressed. Uh, I've, yeah, there's all kinds of things going on. She was claiming that he was abusing uh, her kid or something like that. Yeah, there was, there was so much going on and stuff like that needs to be, Somebody needs to intervene in a situation like that. Yeah. I I honestly don't feel like it's a bad idea for the conservatorship or guardianship to continue. Yeah. I just think it needs to be somebody else that is going to have her best interest at heart. Um, because ultimately, no one wants to feel like they they work in all of doing all of this work, putting in all this effort. Like ultimately, she's the one that's going out on the stage doing routine, singing, doing, and that's a lot of work, you know? And so ultimately she's the one doing all of the work, not her father, not whoever else is telling her how to spend her money. Cause I think they have her on some type of allowance, what she can buy, what she cannot buy, those types of things. Um, I think maybe the parameters need to be changed a bit, you know, and not be all encompassing like it has been. Right. And I think that's kind of the biggest thing that this whole case is kind of shedding light on is how, I guess, lack of a better word, how easy it is to kind of take advantage of somebody in this situation. Yeah. You know, Brittany is a high profile case. So we know her, we know her back, well, somewhat of her backstory. You know, she's famous, she's got money and dad's kind of living his life. And now people are paying attention to all the things that may or may not be going on behind the scenes. Right. There's plenty of people that are under conservatorships and guardianships that are getting taken advantage of every day mm-hmm. right and it, it kind of showcases a flaw in the system because if I'm not mistaken the way it stands now for her to petition to get out of it she has to prove that she doesn't need it right it's not up to the person in the conservatorship or it's not up to the person controlling the con- controlling the conservatee uh, to prove that they don't need it anymore the person under the conservatorship has to prove it. And for a lot of people, that's not easy to do. 
yeah. especially when somebody else is managing all their affairs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, for her sake, I'm hoping that she's able to do that. Uh, yeah, definitely. This, it sounds like she's she's trying to live her life. I mean, everybody's trying to live their life, and they should be allowed to, assuming they can, you know, do that. Definitely. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that you know everyone should be able to live their lives as they deem fit, and because of who she is and you know that type of thing I think it's made the situation harder for her than it would most um so I hope having this legal rep this different legal representation maybe they can get her with different doctors to you know because if these doctors are being paid to diagnose you and things of course they're not gonna say oh she's capable you know what I'm saying but put her under new physicians and, and therapists and things like that to really diagnose what's going on with her. And I think maybe that'll help her case more than just saying like, we have new representation and you know we hoping things go in her favor because you still, hopefully they would be seeking out new physicians and things of that nature to help. Because you would need, in this type of case, you would need a professional to give their expert, you know, advice on this. And you, and you definitely want somebody that's independent. You want, you want somebody that doesn't have a stake in the situation and actually be able to evaluate, determine whether, whether or not it's necessary. Ultimately, that's what the judge is supposed to be. But there should also be a mental health evaluator to try to figure out, you know, is she, quote unquote, in a bad enough place to where she still needs this? Right. Yeah. So hopefully everything works out the way Britney Spears wants it to. If not, I just hope that somebody else that she trusts can be put in charge of this guardianship because she deserves to be able to live her life, but be able to seek the help that she needs without feeling like she's being abused by it. I agree. So... Praying for Brittany that things go better for her. And, you know, with that being said, it's kind of a good segue to, to talk about some things that can happen possibly because of mental health. And so we'll go ahead and get into the hot cup of cocoa. For this week. And the hot cup of cocoa this week is about eating disorders. And I know this is kind of like a heavy topic, but like I said, it's about life in general with the emphasis on relationships. And so I feel like it's important to still talk about things outside of relationships. And with that being said, you know, um, Corey, this eating disorders are people you you currently work with right or that's that's a bulk of the people that I work with yeah definitely okay so what so I don't think I put this in the notes but I had kind of thought about this but what are some dis eating orders that you know, people might not know about. I know there is the whole you eat and you throw up and, you know, all that type of stuff. So what are some actual eating disorders? Okay. So I guess first thing I want to say is please don't let what I'm about to say take the place of 
anybody taking themselves to go see a licensed professional and get assessed if you're wondering whether or not you have an eating disorder, right? Most mental health providers, they provide free consultation. If you're really unsure and you really need to talk to somebody, make sure you actually talk to somebody directly. Uh, if you're in the state of Georgia, feel free to reach out to me. Uh, we can have a chat if need be. Uh, but I know there's a lot of people who are like, oh, I'm not trying to see a doctor. I'm not trying to see anybody talk about my problems. I don't want them looking at me any kind of way. When in reality, we got to make sure we we do better and and try and be vulnerable before it's too late. Because with eating disorders, things can get real bad real fast. <clears throat> and so when we're thinking about disordered eating, right, which, you know, disordered eating is not something that's diagnosed, right? It's really more so speaking to uh, atypical eating patterns, right? That um, that can alter your day-to-day -day functioning, but they're patterns in and of themselves. <clears throat> Whereas with eating disorders, they're like a cluster of different behaviors that happen over a certain period of time that identify as one of the many eating disorders, whether it be anorexia nervosa, bulimia, anything like that. So um, in kind of thinking through disordered eating, we want to think about um, certain things here and there. So for example, if you find yourself dieting often, and what I mean by that is, you know, everybody listening to this could probably think of one person who's doing the paleo diet, paleo diet this month, the whole 30 next month, uh, what else is that, a keto diet the month after that, because they're trying to look a certain way when <clears throat> ultimately eating should be more of a lifestyle instead of a short-term quote-unquote fix for something you feel like is wrong, mm -hmm. right? <clears throat> think about uh, another example. You can think about somebody that's under eating or overeating. So uh, I'm sure you've probably known at least one person in life who's like, yeah, I'll, I'll have like one meal a day and I'll be fine. Like, it's not that big a deal. You know, I got a lot of stuff going on or blah, blah, whatever the case may be. Yeah. That's probably somebody you need to talk to more and more, right? Uh, we want to find out why is it that you feel like you only need one meal a day? Because that's definitely not true for for humans in general. You need to eat more regular and you got to eat a certain amount of calories just to function on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. um, let me think. You want to <clears throat> be mindful if you're finding yourself using stuff like diet pills or trying to go on a cleanse on a regular basis. You know, I'm, I'm not a doctor, but I understand that cleanses in a general sense people don't like to hear this but it's a bit unnecessary uh you may have a doctor prescribed something or other right if 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 that doctor is prescribing you do something very specific that's a different thing mm -hmm. but if you find yourself going to the store once a week to try to cleanse out your body because you feel like you ate the wrong way the last week that's a bit problematic um <clears throat> If you find like you if you feel like your weight fluctuates often, right? You feel like you put on a ton of weight and then you drop a ton of weight and it, it cycles out pretty quickly. It's not necessarily how that should happen. You should remain pretty stable. Mm -hmm. um, thinking also, you know, if you <clears throat> feel any shame or guilt around eating, you know, if you feel like a particular thing you like to eat is something you shouldn't for whatever reason, right? These are things you should talk to you, talk to someone about, right? If 
if no one else, maybe chat with a friend to see what their thought process is and see if that's something, that conversation is something that can help you with readdressing your eating habits. Mm-hmm. If you find yourself exercising or cutting back on the food that you're eating or what we call purging uh, to compensate for the eating that you are doing, right? So you'll look on Instagram, you see that one person who's in the gym seven times a week, right? They're in the gym two to three hours a day. They feel like, oh yeah, I'm super in shape and that's just my life, right? That's tremendously unnecessary. And there may be something going on behind that to where they feel like they need to be exercising that often. Uh, or that person who was like, oh, I ate too much at the party last night, so I can't eat today. Or at the very least, I'm only gonna have a salad today because I ate too much last night, right? Yeah. That's, that's problematic tremendously. Or if you know somebody that's <clears throat> people who drinking tummy tea every week, for example, <laughs> for those who don't know, it's just a laxative. So, <laughs> if if you if you're having an issue and you need to relieve constipation, take care of that. Even has instructions on the box. You're supposed to be using it short term. If you find yourself using it longer than whatever period it says on the box, you need to go talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. No, it's not <laughs> drinking tummy tea is not going to get you where you want to be. Not just like. Corey mentioned, like, I think a lot of these things are very common. I think a lot of us do these things um, because I've definitely drank the tummy teas. Mm-hmm. I definitely be like, I need the detox every now and again. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of these things he has said I have done, but right. I don't feel like this is a, it's a constant for me. It's not all the time that I'm doing these things. Like I may be like, oh, I need a detox or whatever. If I find myself wanting to eat better and I'm like, you know, I just want to start preparing my body to, to get right. You know what I'm saying? I think that's different from being like, I need to drink this tea all the time, or I need to take this detox all the time. Like, like you said, those aren't meant to do all the time. Right. Um, and I think if you, when you do find yourself constantly feeling like you need to detox or do these fad diets, you know, um, then there may be an issue. And I say this because I have gone to a nutrition, I've had a nutritionist before and working with that nutritionist, it helped me like lose a lot of weight. But with losing that weight, I was doing it in a healthy way. I wasn't doing fad diets or whatever. People being like, oh, you need to cut meat out or you need to do this. Like I was still eating meat, but smaller portions of meat. I was eating more vegetables. Less. I, I tend to stray away from carbs when I'm trying to lose weight. But if you do carbs, like it's okay to do carbs, but to be to have a well-balanced meal is what you looking to have in conjunction with working out. You don't have to do all these different fads, keto and whatever else people doing now. Do these things work? They probably do. But I feel like if you do it, you can't just do it for a week and expect results because this person over here lost 15 pounds in a week and you didn't. That don't mean that the diet don't work for you. That just means you have to be consistent with it. See, and that's, you do bring up a good point. A lot of these things are 
for some people, they are common. I, I can tell you I've done at least some of these myself. Mm -hmm. Cause it's, you know, you have your moment of distress and you're like, oh, I want to do something. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's different where you're, you recognize um, this may not be something I should be doing, or if you feel like you got to be doing it every other day. Yeah. Right. And, you know, people hear all the time and they think, oh, I'm not doing it every day. So it's not a problem. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you don't have to be doing it every day. But it, if you're doing it regularly, it's something you need to talk to somebody about. Yeah. Um, and, you know, with a lot of these fad diets, it's, you know, for a lot of people, they feel like it's a quick fix. And a lot of people who are able to lose weight or get the look that they're looking for, mm -hmm. it's because they're restricting the things that they need for their body. And that's part of the reason why they're able to lose that weight because they're not getting what their body needs. Right. And um, yeah, it's just really kind of more so taking a, a real in-depth look on how you live in your life. Like you said, you know, just taking the time to eat more vegetables can be a drastic change mm -hmm. by recognizing you shouldn't be eating that much meat, right? Yeah. Or eating so much of a particular sweet or whatever the case may be. Maybe you find yourself eating when you're sad or eating when you're lonely or eating when you're angry or, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. Those are all things that is important for you to really, really be mindful of so that you can reverse that thought process. Yeah. Now, people come to my house and they be like, you ain't got no snacks. Child, I don't need that in my house. I don't need that in my house. <laughs> my, my kitchen real bare. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, not, I'm also not one of those people that stress eat either. If anything, I'm just like, you know, I eat my regular meals. But outside the meals, I'm like, I ain't going to snack because I may overdo it. You know what I'm saying? But um, I definitely think that taking a look at your, your eating habits is important um, because like, I feel like everybody, you your own worst critic, you're always gonna feel like I put on too much weight or maybe I'm not big enough or, you know, everybody has their own thing that they need to work on. But I definitely feel like do the research yes. into these different fads before you try and implement them. Um, because when I was going to a nutritionist, her thing was, I want you to lose the weight and be able to keep it off. Because when you do these fad diets, okay, yeah, you lost 15 pounds in a week or two. But when you start eating regular again, you probably gained that weight plus some. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, cause I've done Herbalife before. And I had lost a lot of weight on Herbalife. But when I stopped taking them shakes and I started eating real food, yep. I had gained all that weight plus some back. Mm -hmm. So when I went to the nutritionist and was like working out and eating more vegetables, you know, monitoring the amount of meat I was eating, like actually putting the meat on the scale, like, okay. And that, that was because I was I really wanting to lose weight. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna take this calorie thing serious. And no one likes counting calories, but because it's very time consuming. Very but <laughs> if you're serious about what you're trying to achieve, you're gonna put in that effort. You know what I'm saying? And so I was I had lost 20 pounds. It took me nine months to lose that 20 pounds. But every week I will go to the nutritionist and we will hop on the scale and it'll be like one pound down, you know, like a pound or two a week is sufficient. 
And if you keep if you keep con- consistent with it, then those one to two pounds a week will turn into four, 15, you know, things like that. So it's you just got to be consistent and know it's not going to be a quick fix. <laughs> right. And additionally, in doing your research into any of these things, you want to do research into why you feel like you need to improve certain things. Mm-hmm. I see a lot of people who feel like they need to look a certain way because that's what maybe the opposite sex seems to find attractive, right? Or uh, you find certain people who are feeling pressure from certain family members. So they have, they feel like they have to look a certain way. <laughs> yeah, I saw that face. <laughs> uh, if I yeah. didn't heard it from my family, whenever I start gaining weight, somebody be like, ooh, you getting fat again, or ooh, <laughs> you getting a little round. And it's just like, can I, can I leave? <laughs> it's it's rough uh, i i have also felt that that judgment as well <laughs> so i know exactly what you're talking about mm-hmm. um, but yeah that that stress and anxiety about trying to you know appease certain people um can be overwhelming mm-hmm. whereas if you find yourself trying to improve because you want to be more mobile or if you're trying to improve because you know you're physical health is not in the best place and you want to get to a place where you're able to, you know, play with your kids or just have more energy or whatever the case may be, right? Then you're, you tend to do the things that are most useful for you right. instead of that person who's like, I got to lose 20 pounds so I can go to uh, Dominican Republic in two months because you really, <laughs> you're just trying to look a certain way. And then by the time you get done with that, you're probably going to be back to your old habits. <clears throat> which is what you pointed out. Those fad diets, that's usually the case. Most people, after they're done with that diet, they end up putting the weight back on because, you know, they're looking for the quick fix instead of the life change. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I feel like we kind of talked about some signs of eating disorders. Um, do you feel like, besides just like, society feeling like people should look a certain way. Do you think there are other factors that can bring on eating disorders? Oh, absolutely. So uh, one of the things that's a big factor is genetics. Uh, If you have like a first generation family member who also has an eating disorder, uh, undiagnosed or not, you're more likely to get it, Mm -hmm. right? I see a lot, especially kids who go to school and maybe they were chubby at a certain point and they experienced a certain degree of bullying or teasing or whatever the case may be. And their response to that was, all right, so I'm never going to be chubby again. I'm going to do whatever it takes to make sure I'm never chubby, right? And it gets to a point where it becomes an obsession. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of people I see where that's their quote unquote origin story. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, whether or not you are a perfectionist or somebody who's really impulsive, right? Um, and if you've been through a certain degree or if you experience a certain degree of trauma, you know, those are all things that increase the likelihood of you developing uh, eating disorder at some point. Um, all things that take some really mindful exploration and trying to figure out who you are as an individual. Yeah. And then of course, you know, society has its standards, right? 
women are supposed to look a certain way, men are supposed to look a certain way, athletes are supposed to look a certain way, you know, all kinds of things. And, mm-hmm. um, and that's a big thing too, that a lot of people don't realize. Uh, there are a lot of athletes with eating disorders. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of us, we, we tend to, <clears throat> we tend to look at that person and we'll see the abs, we'll see them performing a certain way and be like, oh yeah, they're good. There's nothing wrong with them. Mm-hmm. But a lot of them have probably been through eating disorder treatment. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of them have probably been through some sort of facility. Yeah. When you think about that, just made me think about how you brought up athletes have it yeah. and bodybuilders. I would say those are probably some of the most unhealthy people there are because they do these extreme diets and they they work out so hard. And I remember I knew someone that was competing and they said they would take water pills to lose the water weight and it would kind of like drain all the wa- the excess water out so that they could get definition in their abs. Okay. <laughs> I was like, at the time, I was like, ooh, girl, I need to know what kind of program you are. But then when she said that, I said, yeah, I don't know if that's, <laughs> I don't think I can do that. <laughs> Yeah, body bodybuilding is a weird, it's kind of a weird thing. You know, it's on one hand, it's it's all about the presentation. Mm-hmm. So I can understand why you feel like you need to have a certain degree of definition or whatever right. you need for a show. Um, and for a lot of them, they probably are healthy. Uh, you know, eating the stuff they're supposed to eat um, and eating the amounts that work for them. But like you said, <laughs> I've seen some who are like, yeah, I only eat peanut butter and rice cakes. And I work out eight times a week. And it's kind of like. Like you had a deficit, but. <laughs> <laughs> like you, you, you're doing a bit much. And mm-hmm. um, for some of them, they think, oh, this is just what I have to do. Yeah. In order to look like this. Mm-hmm. Right? When in reality, there's plenty of bodybuilders who eat all kinds of stuff. Yeah. There are plenty of people who eat literally anything. And they're in great shape. I can tell you right now, I'm still irritated by how my dad is in such great shape. <laughs> such great shape. I'm sitting here fighting to get into the shape that he's in. Mm-hmm. Um, but for him, you know, he eats the appropriate balance in his meals. Mm-hmm. You know, he appropriately active. Um, yeah. And he, he eats at regular intervals. I mean, it's generally speaking, that's all it really takes. Yeah, pretty much. Because when I was eating healthy and working out, like worked out five days a week, two days rest, 45 hour workouts, one hour workouts. And I was in really, really good shape. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just having a discipline, discipline. to do it. And that's, that's one of the, the key factors is having a discipline. And when I was going, going through that little time period, like I still had my cheat, I had a cheat meal. I wouldn't do a full cheat day. Cause I said, if I have a cheat day, I know I ain't going to act right. So I just need one, one meal to cut up on and that's it. <laughs> you know, I still, I love peanut M&Ms. I would have one pack of M&Ms a week, mm-hmm. ration out three or four M&Ms, two or three M&Ms a day. <laughs> like I was serious about that thing <laughs> but right. um I, I took in count into account I need a glass of wine a day then part of my <laughs> like I was legit counting calories 
and every calorie counted. Like I knew what I was going to wake up and eat. I knew what I was going to go, what I was going to drink or eat before I went to bed every day. And that, that may be extreme for some people, but, and that, that is extreme. Counting calories is extreme, but I did it consistently for nine months and it, it did become a lifestyle. And then one day, I just said the hell with these count calories. <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> and at the end of the day, you shouldn't have to. I mean, for you in your situation, you needed to because you were trying to get to something very specific and you were working with a nutritionist and mm-hmm. all that, right? So that worked for you. Yeah. <laughs> at the same time, for a lot of people, I can't, I can't stress this enough. We got to do what we can to find out why we eat when we eat. Mm-hmm. You know, it's nothing wrong with you eating, you know, fried chicken a certain amount of times a week, right? If that's something that you enjoy, that's what you enjoy. Now, if you're eating fried chicken three times a day and you find yourself sitting in the house all day and not really having motivation to do anything, then we need to talk about it because it's not the fried chicken. The issue is not the fried chicken. Yeah. Um, Because I'll tell you this. A lot of the people that I work with who are diagnosed with eating disorders also diagnosed with stuff like major depressive disorder, mm. or they're diagnosed with, um, oh my gosh, my brain is blanking, generalized anxiety disorder, mm. right? You know, there are a lot of things going on in their life that they're leaving unaddressed. And because they're not dealing with those things, it's manifesting itself in other places. So I, I mentioned this, well, I mentioned this often. So like there's, there are times where I'm not in a great mood and the first thing I'm looking for is a Jamaican restaurant. I'm like, oh, let me go get some, <laughs> let me go get some jerk chicken or something. Let me go right. get some nice tail. <laughs> right. And again, it's not, it's not simply because that's the only thing I want to eat, mm. right? Because I'm down. And my instant response is I got to go get something that's going to make me feel better. Yeah. It's not going to address the issue. I'm just looking for a pacifier. This I know I don't eat for <laughs> eat because I just eat because it tastes good. I just like I got a taste for some oxtails, and that's what I'm gonna have. <laughs> <laughs> and that's good. I and for some people, that's all they do. They're able to just eat because that's just what they want. Mm-hmm. But I, I think people underestimate how much they let their emotions guide their eating habits. Yeah. Because when even when I was on that path, when I did eat bad, I would feel bad afterwards. And not like I feel guilty about it. It's just my body just wasn't processing it well, you know. Um, but it would taste so good in the moment. I'd be like... I know I'm gonna feel bad later, but I gotta have this. <laughs> it's my cheat meal. <laughs> but I think going going through that process, I think it was good for me to understand like how and like looking back on it, like realizing, like you hearing you talk about like, oh, I'm in a bad mood. I just want to eat this kind of food, like it helped me to realize like, I don't have that attachment to food. Like I eat because I just like food Um, versus living off of the mentality that, you know, some people like 
I feel like people who are healthy, healthy, they like food is to sustain me. I don't live for food. And I'm like, bruh, I don't eat food for sustainment. I eat food because I like food. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But overall, I don't have the the attachment to food. Whereas if I'm in a bad mood, I want to eat something. Or if I'm, you know, depend or if I'm sad, I want to eat something. Like I can I can take that aspect away from it. Right. But and I'm, I mean, everybody doesn't have the option to work with a nutritionist. But I do think that there are like you being a licensed therapist, like if you like you said, if you want to talk to somebody about your eating habits, I think this is a way to explore. It. And there are so many options out there to assist with paying or low cost therapy sessions or whatever. I think it's something everybody should at least ask the question so it can help you identify what your attachment is to food. And maybe that can help you to choose a, a better lifestyle, a healthier lifestyle to live. Right. If you know, like what that, what that trigger is when it comes to food. Right. And I, you know, it's, it's 2021, right? So mm-hmm. Even if you feel like you're, if you find yourself on Instagram or Facebook and you're kind of just seeing stuff that's kind of rubbing you the wrong way, even if you want to reach out to a therapist that way, there are plenty of therapists that are on social media. Make sure, again, make sure they're licensed where they are. Make sure you check their credentials. Make sure you check that they know what they're talking about. Yeah. But, you know, even if you're, you're feeling kind of weird about it, you know, try to find somebody there and just say, hey, look, I got a question. Can you point me in the right direction? And even if they can't answer it, mm-hmm. they should be able to send you to somewhere yeah information that's point blank period this at in this day and age there's no excuse for oh i just didn't know Mm -hmm. it's more of a i didn't want to find the answer (laughs) right because it's it's too easy to find the answer now Mm -hmm. Uh, but on on the again i want to emphasize there are people who are out here saying yeah i know everything come talk to me and it's like well you know, check their background first. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, I know a lot of times, like I know growing up when it came to like the media portraying eating disorders, it was always like women or girls had these issues. Um, and I know men do as well, because I feel like with social media being what it is, and everybody wanting to post what their progress is or post their body like somebody is feeling some kind of way about I don't you know about not looking the same way so do you find that there are a lot of men that are are affected by eating disorders yes (laughs) (laughs) without question and um I'm always excited it's a weird thing to say but I'm excited to see males in treatment right because it's an acknowledgement that they need help and they're able to do the work to get to that place mm-hmm. um, but yeah i think i i was seeing something earlier that uh, a quarter of the anorexia cases are males right mm-hmm. but they tend to be at higher risk for dying mm. and from in, anorexia yeah from anorexia mm. and um it's in part due to the fact that there's this expectation that 
if if there's someone is quote unquote anorexic or living with anorexia, that it's just some white girl who just wants to be skinny. When in reality, that's not necessarily the case. This this, this affects everybody, okay. everybody. Um, and then of course the added issue of males being conditioned to be tough mm -hmm. and able to kind of just push through. So you'll just really think of the men you know. How many of them are telling you, I'm insecure about my body. I feel like I'm not the way that I want to look. How many of them are telling you that, you know what, I've been feeling depressed lately. Uh, maybe my significant other left me. Maybe I have a strained relationship with my parent. There are men who do that and that's great, but there are also men who feel like they can't do that or that they shouldn't do that because that somehow makes them less quote unquote manly. Right. And of course there are other factors that, you know, come into play, you know, cultural aspects, systemic racism, um, access to resources, all kinds of stuff. Uh, but yeah, it's, there are men, males who are having a really hard time in silence. Mm. Uh, and it's something we should talk about more. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think that, um, you know, men, men harbor and keep a lot of things to themselves uh, versus expressing how they feel. And regardless if you're in a relationship or not, and I know men don't have the same support systems that women may have, you know, but I think it's important to be able to tell somebody, you know, how you feel, like, even if it's a close friend or a family member, like, have an outlet to tell somebody, you know, what's going on with you, because you said men are more likely to die from anorexia, and I would hate to know that any person that I know had anorexia, and then to, to die from it is just like, what could I have done to help this person get through this situation, you know? Um, so I definitely think it's important that we be empathetic to the people that are in our lives. And just because they don't, they seem strong or they seem like everything is okay, Sometimes it's okay to just say to a friend or whoever, like, you know, I'm here if you need anything, you know, and when they do finally come to you, don't be too busy to listen. Right. And I would actually take it a step further. Mm -hmm. What I would say is try to make it a regular thing to very intentionally check in with people. Mm. Not, not just the, I'm here if you need me but very specifically, hey, how are you actually doing? How is your mental health? How is your relationship? How is your work life going? Very specific questions. Cause I think yeah. in our busy day to days, we tend to get in the habit of just being like, hey, what's up? How are you? And hope that they give you the information that they're willing to give you. And then you say, all right, cool. I already asked them. So I'm gonna move on my day. Right. And you know, I have been told in the past that at times I'll tend to ask, I'll answer the question that is asked of me. Mm -hmm. So for example, someone say, Hey, how you been? Oh, I've been good. Everything's great. And you don't get anything from that. It's kind of just, and I think a lot of
also kind of just say that because we feel like we should. Yeah. Whereas if you'd be like, hey, Corey, how's, how are things going on at home? You know, how are you loving the job that you got? How, you know, how's your exercise life? Whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. And get people to really kind of do their best to open up. It's not going to be easy for a lot of people. I think for the people who are wanting to be more intentional, it's also not going to be easy either, especially if you're not used to it. But um, I'm a big proponent of leading by example. Mm-hmm. And so if you if you are that person who feels like, man, I really wish me and so-and-so had a closer relationship, then reach out and talk to them. Very specifically saying, hey, I called to talk to you. Mm-hmm. How are you? I haven't heard from you in a long time or whatever the case may be. Yeah. I think, so I'm one of those people, I tell people be like, I'm going to pray for you. You know what I'm saying? And um, me being intentional about saying I'm going to actually pray for somebody. I've told myself if I feel like, if I feel the need to tell somebody I'm going to pray for them, maybe I need to stop right then and there and pray for them. You know what I'm saying? Because that's me being intentional about what I said I was going to do for you. You know what I'm saying? And it's not because you asked me to, but because I felt compelled to do so. And I think that is a way to help people know, like, I'm here and I'm showing up for you. Right. You know, um, and it don't have to be like just praying for somebody, but, you know, just just to be able to, when you ask somebody, hey, how you doing? Like we say it in passing, hey, how you doing? You know, and the person might be like, good. You'd be like, all right, I'll talk to you later. You know what I'm saying? But sometimes somebody really wants you to, to sit and actually, you know, stand there and actually listen to how they doing. You know, like um, I know a lot of people say, you know, you saying hello or good morning to somebody could make a world of difference. You know what I'm saying? And it can. But I think actually having a conversation with somebody when you ask them how they're doing is important as well. Like I'm one of the like growing up, I kind of been the type of person like I'm a night. I'm a generally a nice person. I will talk to anybody. But you know how sometimes like the people you work with, per se, somebody could be irritating or whatever. And I tend to just be like, you know, hey, how you doing? Keep it pushing. Because it'd be like, I really don't want to hear what you have to say. But because I'm now in a different position, I have to take into account that I'm just not here to work for myself. I'm here to work for other people. You know what I'm saying? And so it's important that I have that dynamic with everybody I work with. Even if it's not somebody I particularly care for, that's not for them to know that. You know what I'm saying? They need to know that I'm going to be there to help them when they need it. You know, so I have to I have to actively work and make a conscious effort to speak to everybody with intention and not just the people I like. (laughs) (laughs) And and I think that's an important thing to pay attention to as well. Right. Mm -hmm. We have we tend to talk to the people that make us feel good. And if we had that space where I'm like, this person rubs me the wrong way, you're just like, all right, well, I won't talk to them then. Right. Now, obviously you don't want toxic people around, right? You want to keep mm-hmm. your distance and make sure to preserve your mental health in that aspect. Yeah. But I guess I'm more so referring to those people who you call your friends, who maybe you find yourself mad at for that time frame. Mm-hmm. Right. Maybe you do need some space and that's cool. 
right? Yeah. But you find yourself not talking to them to prove a point or not talking to them because you want them to feel bad or whatever the case may be, that's that's when you cross the line, right? right. They need to know that you're going to be there for them. Mm-hmm. Simple. Because by not, by quote unquote, punishing someone for not, um, for not doing or at least behaving in a way that you don't like, you may condition them to kind of pull back from being as vulnerable mm. as they could be in the future, right? And again, yeah. obviously you want to set boundaries. Boundaries are important. You want to make sure that people recognize that your boundaries are going to be firm or as they, as they should be, mm-hmm. right? But <clears throat> something petty like, oh, I had a party the other day and so-and-so didn't show up, so I'm not going to talk to him this month. <laughs> like, that's, that's ridiculous. Or maybe on a more significant level, you got somebody who's going through something and maybe they didn't tell you. And maybe yeah. you're like, maybe you took offense to that because, oh, I thought we were supposed to be close and they didn't tell me. So I'm just not going to talk to them now because they didn't tell me about it. Mm-hmm. When in reality, they may not have told you for a very specific reason. Maybe they're embarrassed. Maybe they're ashamed. Maybe they're worried that they can't talk to you, but they're not entirely sure, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever you can do, if, if the idea is that you want to maintain that connection, you want to make sure that you remain open. Yeah. Being available. For sure. Because a lot of this stuff that we're talking about now with eating disorders and having issues with body image and all that stuff, there's a lot of shame attached to it. And people are not wanting to, for example, it, you get plenty of kids who find themselves throwing up after meals and they don't want to go tell their mom, oh, yeah, I throw up after every lunch and dinner because that's what I feel like I should do for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Right. It's if it's something you notice or if you know, if you at the very least notice that somebody's acting a certain way, trying to kind of continue to foster that sense of openness and yeah. support to lessen the likelihood of them choosing not to disclose this kind of stuff to you. hmm. Yeah, a lot of people get to a point where things get really bad Uh, with with anorexia, especially things can physical health can deteriorate greatly. Mm -hmm. And what you don't want to do is wait till they're passed out somewhere uh, to find out, oh, they've been restricting for a certain amount of time. Mm. I mean, to be clear, you can't control people right if they don't want to tell they don't want to tell you they don't want to tell you the best you can do is create an environment that feels safe as best you can and hope they're going to be open and honest with you right um so besides just being there for your loved ones and and people that you know once the I guess once a person has been diagnosed with whatever dis- dis- eating disorder that they have, you know, what are some treatment methods that are used to help people overcome these? With, with, with disordered eating and eating disorders and, you know, similar mental health conditions, the idea is to kind of work to restructure the problematic thought process to try and help um, repair the relationship with food, uh, help, you know, figure out their understanding of their body image and get them to a space that is more healthy. Mm -hmm. 
and lessening the distress when it comes to a lot of these negative thoughts and behaviors. So, you know, with eating disorders very specifically, you know, the, the primary treatment, evidence-based treatments that exist or the ones that are used most often are cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT, dialectical uh, behavioral therapy, DBT, and then family-based treatment, uh, FBT. And, you know, with all of those, obviously the restructuring that I talked about, uh, it helps to give people certain coping skills to use in the moments that they have those negative thoughts and behaviors. Uh, the idea is to help them identify those negative thoughts and be able to I, um, utilize the appropriate methods to get to a place that is more positive. Yeah. Right. And the, especially with FBT, the idea is to help foster a sense of safety we talked about mm -hmm. with family members, you know, in providing education for parents. Cause I mean, it's not a, it's rare that I encounter parents of children with eating disorders and they know what's going on with the eating disorder or know how to properly support somebody yeah. with eating disorders. So in kind of using a lot of these treatments, it's very similar to working with somebody with substance use disorder because you wanna make sure that there are people around them that can be as helpful as possible. You wanna make sure to give ownership to the individual so that they can take um, the necessary steps to um, prevent relapse, mm -hmm. uh, increase their day-to-day -day functioning. Mm -hmm because this is something that can take over people's lives. Right. It, it definitely has. And, you know, I'm, and, and I'm glad you kind of brought up like eating disorders is more than like being bulimic or anorexic is overeating and, and having bad body image and, you know, all of these things that are encompassed in having an eating, an eating disorder. And that's not to say I don't know anybody who doesn't have an eating disorder because we don't know. I, I don't have, I don't know anybody who has had an extreme case of an eating disorder, but we all know somebody that like doing different diets that like to do detox, that, you know, we, we all know someone, we have been that someone, you know, um, so that just goes to show you, like, having an eating disorder is more than just not eating enough, or not keeping food down, or, you know, that type of thing, it can also be overeating, having a bad relationship with food, um, doing it, or having a bad body image because of society or because your family make you feel away. You know what I'm saying? And we all know somebody or have been that person. And so, um, and like you said in the beginning, this is not to say because you've done these things, you have an eating disorder, but I wanted to have this conversation so that people were or are aware of how they eat, you know, versus you know, you, you have an eating disorder because you do these things because that doesn't necessarily mean that, but just to be more aware of how we treat ourselves when it comes to food. Um, just because you eat bad today doesn't mean you can only have a salad tomorrow, you right. know, or 
just because Beyonce did the cayenne pepper lemon water diet. <laughs> and she even said that was not good for her to do that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? For anybody. No. <laughs> it's not good for anybody. But, you know, these celebrities do these things for short period, periods of time. They may do something drastic for a role or because they're going on tour, they want to look a certain way. You know what I'm saying? But that's that's because they have an image to maintain. But that's not to say once that that tour is over or that role is over, that they're not working with someone to help them get back in shape in a healthy way. I know um, Viola Davis said that she had to gain weight to take on the role of Ma Rainey when, she, you know, the movie in Net, on Netflix for yeah. uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Yeah. She had to gain weight for that. But sure enough, after that role, she was working with a trainer to get her back in shape. And I'm sure she had a dietitian and everything else yeah. or a chef or somebody that was preparing her meals. But that just goes to say these celebrities may do these things, but they only do it for a short period of time. This is not their constant way of living. So for us regular folk, you know, I would say versus trying to do what's quick because we want a quick result, let's do some research on how our bodies need to process food and working out and sleep because all of these things play a part in losing weight. It's not just eating healthy is going to lose the weight. You need to eat healthy, work out, get adequate sleep, drink water, you know? And, and the other part is being mindful of what it means to be healthy when it comes to eating. Mm -hmm. Because there are people who feel like eating healthy is having your kale salad, eating oatmeal in the morning, having grilled chicken and whatever else, right? When in reality, healthy, there's a wide spectrum of things you could be eating. Mm -hmm. And I want that to be emphasized because we have people, for example, like me, who have families that are from the Caribbean. A lot of the stuff that is being kind of pushed to us as being healthy is outside of what is typically eaten in those cultures. Mm -hmm. So then it creates this conflict of, I can't eat the food that I am used to growing up with because it's inherently bad, so to speak, when in reality, that's not true. Mm -mm. Again, we wanna make sure that when it comes to eating, when it comes to exercise, and when it comes to how we feel like we look, we wanna really dive into why. Yeah. People, uh, there are a lot of people I've talked to, I'll ask them, so why do you do that thing? And they're like, I don't know. That's just what people do. <laughs> and it's like, that's not a good answer to kind of identify where your problems are mm. or the things that need to be improved is what I should say. And so to give, to give y'all some insight onto, into why I was dieting and working out and, and striving to lose this weight, it was for health reasons. Yeah. Um, I'm, a, I'm a small person. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of weight on my frame is not good. As a term of employment, I have to be able to run and, and do those type of things. And because of the weight I had, I couldn't run without being in pain. So 
it was important for me to lose weight so that I could be able to do things like run and 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 things like that for my job, um, which I also about to get back on that plan because <laughs> having a broke foot, then going into quarantine, I ain't worked out in nobody's gym, walked nobody's park, done nothing in the past since 2018. So your girl is not in good shape right now. So <laughs> that is to say now that we not on quarantine, you know, and you, as you all know, I am in the military. PT testing is about to start back or is started, has started. Yeah. I need to be able to pass my PT test. So your girl is about to start getting back on her stuff, you know, eating healthy, going to the gym, working with a nutritionist, going to physical therapy, going to a chiropractor. These, these are all things that I have to do to get myself back in shape. You know what I'm saying? And I think I was just talking to his wife and she's been on the show, Alex M. But we were just talking about going to a chiropractor and how after her going to a chiropractor, her other ailments seem to be so much better. You know, and so because I have issues going on with my bones and and muscles and things like that, I am going to physical therapy. I am seeing, a, um, I always want to call this person a podiatrist, but it ain't a podiatrist. It's the, the I, I don't know what, the bone people, hips, no. legs. I don't know what to call them. I can't never figure out the word, but <laughs> I'm seeing somebody for hip issues and I'm too young to have hip issues. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But making these things are part of my regular self-care routine. Mm -hmm. You know, going to see a chiropractor, you chiropractor. Is that the right word? Chiropractor. Chiropractor. Yeah. <laughs> going to see a chiropractor. You know what I'm saying? Like, even though you would think like it's because you having back issues, but sometimes like Alex M was telling me, you know, your hip is like the 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 stabilization point. You know, and maybe that could be an issue. Some it, it could help the chiropractor could help alleviate some issues with that. You know what I'm saying, and help with my overall health. So I think it's important to for me to tell y'all why I find myself in situations where I have to diet, and it's not diet like one of my nutritionists told me before. I don't want you to use the word die because what it is is we're trying to build a healthier lifestyle. Mm. and um and when you think about it the first word of diet is that I ain't trying to die <laughs> so um you know these are and especially as we get older you know these aren't things that we're told except for when you get older you're gonna be gaining weight and it ain't gonna be as easy to lose you know but they we weren't told what else happened when you start gaining weight you know what I'm saying? Like, of course, we know, like, you can have diabetes or heart, um, what is high blood pressure, things of that nature. But, you know, it's other ailments that you can get, like not being able to do physical fitness type things because it's just too much weight on your body. 
you know, um, and it hurts. It, it really does hurt to try and run when you normally 140 pounds and you got 170 pounds on your on your 140 pound frame. So, um, you know, I, I felt it was important to have this conversation so that we all know it's not just because I don't eat enough food or, you know, I try to not eat as much food. It can be overeating. It can be so many other things besides I just can't eat a lot of food, you know? And um, yeah. So the goal is always to, to help us be smarter so we can live better lives, less stressful lives. So. And, and more mindful lives. Mm -hmm. More intentional lives. Yes, definitely. So Corey, I want to thank you for coming on today's show. Do you want to tell everybody where they can find you at on social media? Uh, yeah, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook. Just type in Corey A. Marshall LMSW on any of those platforms. Uh, you can find me on Psychology Today as well. If you look for somebody to talk to, quick consultation, what have you. Go ahead and feel free to reach out. Oh, and you said you want um, Black, what is it? Black Girls Do Therapy or? <laughs> so um, I'm on uh, the, I'm in the directory for therapy for Black Girls. Um, I'm also on the directory to star behavioral health uh, for the military. Okay. So if you're in the military, you need a therapist. If you need a therapist in the state of Georgia, <laughs> look me up. I'm, I'm there too. Yes. So I will say I have talked many times on this show about having a therapist, and I went through a military source to um, find this therapist, and I do work with him very often. Uh, shout out to Dr. Martin. I know he listens to my show every now and again. So shout out Dr. Martin. Um, I've been working with him for the past six, six years. And it's not consistent. But, you know, whenever I feel like I need a maintenance tune up, I'll hit him up and be like, you know, can you fit me in? And I think it's important to to start the journey and hopefully you find a therapist um, that works for you. Because like I said, even if it's not consistent, someone that you feel comfortable when you're going through a difficult time, you feel comfortable enough to reach out to that person and say, hey, can we start some sessions? I'm having this issue and I want to work through it. Um, so yeah, hit Corey up. If, in, if you're in the state of Georgia and you need someone to talk to, um, there are plenty of avenues that you can find him on and I will be sure to post them on my social media. So, um, and that is at Kikian with Coco on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And as always, I appreciate y'all for tuning in and don't forget to try this drink because <laughs> it was very good. <laughs> And you can find Ting at your, hopefully at your grocery store, because that's where I got it at. I got it at the grocery store. Okay. Um, and I'm sure they, if you have, if you are fortunate to be near a Caribbean supermarket or a market, I'm sure they sell it there for sure. <laughs> for sure. Yes. <laughs> but um, try to drink out. Don't be afraid to ask for help. We'll definitely post some, some avenues for you guys. And as always, I appreciate y'all. Thanks for tuning in. And until next time, bye.